What makes a life a good one? Is it the adventure you have? Or the friends you find along the way? Maybe it's pursuing your passion while striving to protect, defend, and save what you believe in every single day. So, what makes a life a good one? In the Coast Guard, we think it's all of the above and more. But you'll have to find out for yourself. Visit GoCoastGuard.com to learn more. Welcome to Just the Truth Podcast. I'm Jenna Ellis, and this is episode 10 already. Uh, These conversations are so fun to have, and it's been so great to see all of the amazing uh, questions that you guys have sent in, whether on uh, social media, at my handles, or at our email address for Just the Truth TV as well. But you can obviously reach me for the podcast or the television side on our public square at Just the Truth at America's Voice.com. News, And I've asked for questions of what you guys want to hear conversations about, discussion about, and, uh, and answers to questions about the Constitution, politics, and the biblical worldview. And all of those things are important, and they're actually tied in, because we can't talk about the Constitution, we can't talk about things going on in politics without also addressing the fundamental premise of the Christian worldview. And that's why this podcast is named Just the Truth, because we have to start with a common definition and understanding of how we define, ascertain, understand, and recognize the truth, and then we have to work up from there. So one of my favorite questions that I got yesterday on Twitter, actually, and you can follow me on any of the social media platforms, at Jenna Ellis ESQ, and uh, one one woman wrote in and, and asked, what is a biblical worldview? And I love this question because worldview matters to everything. And worldview is the foundation of how we view the world and how we understand and recognize the reality to which we're presented. And one of my favorite books on this topic is Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Um, and in that he gives, and it's a really short book, by the way, uh, it's it's dense in the sense that there's so much philosophy packed in there, uh, but you can get through it in like an afternoon. So if you really want to know the truth of the biblical worldview and understand it very concretely, I highly, highly recommend that particular book. And C.S. Lewis also uh, was, of course, an atheist. And uh, he then studied uh, the truth and he wanted a rational explanation for ethics, for morality, for uh, philosophy, for all of the things that uh, we understand about the world and participate in and influence in the world. And um, ultimately, through his studies and his sincere search, he became a Christian. And uh, a lot of people ask me as well, you know, well, why are you a Christian? And they have this perception that I'm a Christian just because I believe in God. Well, that's true, but that's not actually the reason that I'm a Christian. The reason I'm a Christian is because I understand that the biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God, the Bible, and that the answers to the questions that we all have, uh, why are we here? What's the purpose of life? Uh, is there an afterlife? Uh, where are we going? What's, um, how do I understand the world around me? 
the biblical worldview is the best explanation for the reality to which we're presented. And understanding the answers to those questions and recognizing that God created us, the God of the Bible created us, and for a purpose, and that ultimately um, that purpose is to come into a saving knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, um, and that the purpose of our existence is to fully recognize who he is and worship God. And through our worship and recognition, um, A.W. Tozer talks about this in The Purpose of Man, um, another great book, that our purpose and our design is to worship him. That makes sense with our understanding and our empirical understanding of our world around us. And so I'm a Christian because rationally, and uh, the the biblical worldview and the history of the Bible, the facts that are presented in the Bible. It's not just stories. You know, we we talk sometimes about the story of, you know, the ark or the story of Jesus. Well, this these aren't just fables and fiction. Um, the Bible is actually a history book and showing what happened throughout history by our divine lawgiver, by our Creator, is the explanation and answers to life's most important questions. So the Christian worldview is a biblical understanding of the world around us. And when you believe that the Bible is entirely true and it's infallible, then you allow it to be the foundation of everything else that you understand. And this idea of worldview is not exclusive to Christianity. Um, The idea of worldview is all of us have one, Uh, whether or not you recognize yours or whether or not you have specifically chosen a worldview intentionally and rationally, you have a worldview. Uh, A lot of people base their worldview on um, just the perception that they're told uh, or that they're taught by either their family structure, uh, by the world around them, um, the world meaning culture. Or by uh, by entertainment, some people more concretely develop a worldview in college based on uh, their expertise uh, and their uh, their subject matter that they study, their major in college, and what their professors are teaching them. Uh, but everyone approaches their explanation of reality based on a worldview. It's it's our fundamental answer to those questions, and everyone answers those questions of purpose: Why are we here? Uh, what are we doing? Um, where is my life going? And so the biblical worldview is just one worldview out of many. And it's also the only truthful worldview because um, any other worldview will have ultimately, if you take out worldviews to their rational conclusion, then there will be inconsistencies with the reality to which we're presented. And, you know, when you're talking to people about worldview and some of the pushback is, well, you know, they have they have questions that aren't part of reality. We have to at least start from some common definitions and some common understanding of reality, right? If you're starting with someone who says, well, biology doesn't matter, and um, for example, men can be women um, when they still have male genitalia, and we can just feel our way into uh, how we view reality, and reality is is subjective to my perception 
or your perception, so it's now my truth versus your truth, then you're not even operating on the same concrete definition of what's the truth of reality. Because we have to start there and then say, okay, based on these empirical, self-evident truths of reality, then from there we can say, well, what's the best explanation for the reality that we perceive and that we understand to be truthful and that is shared by our common experience? So, uh, So a Christian worldview has the best explanation for that reality. And when we accept the explanation in the Bible and we believe and accept that the Bible is entirely true in its history, and we can, and there's a lot of evidence for that. If you actually go back and you look through the entire counsel of God, um, the entire word of scripture, not only have have there been uh, prophetic uh, examples that have come true. There, uh, there is no element at all in Scripture that has been proven empirically false. Um, there's nothing about the history that's been presented um, that has ever been proven false. Um, there are some things that um, some claims that uh, in prophecy, for example, that haven't yet come true, but there are. Not any of these claims um, that the Bible has said, you know, X thing will happen um, on X date and then it doesn't. Like some of these rightly termed false prophets who um, make claims like, oh, the world is going to end in, you know, at the end of the Aztec calendar, you know, at the year back in you know the early 2000s or whenever that was. And then that didn't happen. So we can rightly say they're a false prophet. And the Bible in its uh, prophetic elements and also in its historicity have never, there's not one thing that has ever been proven false. And on the contrary, there are so many things that we have in the modern era discovered about the historicity of the Bible that has proven the Bible to be reliable, accurate, and true. Um, And if you just look at the person of Jesus Christ, who of course was um, walked the earth, was was an actual human being, was God uh, in the flesh. That's what uh, the Bible teaches us, and that he uh, lived and he was crucified and his resurrection. Those are all historical events, and the proof of those events. Um, are part of the history of the Bible. And when you believe and understand it, you know, not just believe as in I'm taking this by faith, but I'm believing beyond a reasonable doubt, you know, that's a legal term, but it's it's a good term to say, do we have a reason to doubt the accuracy of this historical element? Well, there's so much evidence for the resurrection and um, and I, I'm I would love to have on you know so many different guests to um, to talk through this and we will, um, but when you look at the evidence of the resurrection, the eyewitness testimony, um, the, all of the evidence that is presented um, that is extra biblical, meaning outside of even the Bible itself, um, all of those things show us and their um, their concurrent evidence that allows us to have a faith and a belief in the reliability of scripture beyond a reasonable or rational doubt. Um, If someone is bringing a claim into court, for example, and um, we're testing that claim, then you can have different kinds of evidence. You can have physical evidence, you can have testamentary evidence, um, and you can have um, all of these different ways of proving and testing that claim. And 
we every day uh, prove things in court beyond a reasonable doubt is the standard in criminal cases. It's the highest standard in law. But then there's also um, other levels of proof. And to take a claim and say, okay, even more more likely than not, which is the preponderance of the evidence, it's a it's a basically 50% plus one. That's um, mostly the standard in a lot of civil cases. Um, and those are, you know, awards of, of millions of dollars based on just a 50% plus one standard. And the type of ways that we prove, uh, we provide proof and test claims um, through evidence is, is through the exact same evidence um, and the exact same type of evidence that provides the proof of the fact claims, the historical claims of the Bible. Um, a lot of people want to just categorize the Bible as um, this just gives us, you know, some fortune cookie types of proverbs that we can excise little bits and pieces. And this is how to live a good life. And this is how to, um, you know, just have, well, the Bible says, like we would say, um, you know, Buddha says, this is a great way to, to be, you know. Um, and that's that's not the full complete picture of what the Bible actually represents. It's a it's a history book. And so the Christian worldview is much, much more than just saying, this is a good proverb, this is a good way to live my life, um, this is a view on ethics, this is a view on, you know, any of these other things. Um, this isn't just about faith, it's about answers. It's about saying the understanding of our world around us is based in the history and the proof of the legitimacy and accuracy of the Bible. And so when we accept the evidence of the history of the Bible, and we accept far, far less evidence um, in court every day to convict someone for capital murder or for um, you know any of these other uh, extreme criminal charges or civil charges than all of the evidence that's in the Bible for the truth and the reliability of the claims of the Bible uh, particularly when it relates to the person of Jesus Christ. And the Christian worldview expressly is that uh, the person of Jesus Christ was not just a, a great prophet. He wasn't just a good teacher. Um, he is Lord. He is the Son of God that came in the flesh. He, he is preexisted. He's co-eternal with God the Father. And that he came in the form of a human being. And he lived um, and taught physically on earth and then was crucified, but then was resurrected three days later. And the resurrection is so important. A lot of people just emphasize cr the crucifixion. And that was, of course, yes, um, God took upon himself all of our sin, all of our wickedness, and, and all of our shame. And if you're thinking, well, I'm a good person, well, if you've ever done any single thing, um, lying, cheating, anything that we have all you know, done to a different extent of sin, any kind of sin, you cannot merit yourself the perfection and the righteousness of God. And so God took that upon himself, and that's the point of the cross. But Jesus resurrected three days later. He overcame the grave, and the resurrection is the most important part of that history. Because without the resurrection, then the cross doesn't mean 
uh, what the Bible says that it means. Then Jesus would have simply died and would have been like anyone else who was crucified in, in ancient Rome. Um, why that's so important and the resurrection is because that shows and that proves his divinity and it proves that he is who he said he is. Um, so if you look at the proof of the resurrection and you look at um, the proof of the concrete historicity claims of the Bible, then we can start from there to say, okay, because that is true and the historical explanations of God the Creator, um, God the Father, Jesus Christ, the death and resurrection, um, the punishment for our sin, who we are as human beings made in the image of God, that our purpose in life is to worship God and come into a saving knowledge of him. And the Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, believe in the truth of his death and resurrection, therefore believe on him as Lord and accept the fact that he, the fact that he is Lord and he is divine, then you will be saved. So based on that and based on accepting those truths and the proof of those truths, then you start to understand the world and the reality to which we're presented. You, you start to understand why uh, we why morals are so important and ethics are important based concretely not my truth versus your truth but it always comes back to the word of God and and you start to understand okay that truth is the foundation and then what does the Bible say about um, the philosophy of economics the uh, philosophy of government the role of government uh, in the life of um, of citizens, the role of the church in the person's life, the role of the family. How do we define the family? Uh, how ultimately does God define the family? So then all of these things um, have a truthful view because we start with the foundation of the Christian worldview. If you start with any other foundation, then your ultimate perspective not only is distorted, but your ultimate perspective is going to be shaped in other issues like politics and law and, um, you know, what the purpose of government is, what the role of um, each individual, what's our purpose in life. All of these different questions are answered differently when you start with a different uh, truth base. And if you understand, for example, if you buy into um, your worldview is based on secular humanism and you have this idea that um, there is no greater purpose for human beings. We are all just here by chance. It's an accident. And um, there's no real explanation for why we even have self-awareness and why uh, human beings are even here and why we even have these questions. We, you know, Why do we even want to know the answers to these questions? If there's no real purpose, why are we even asking these questions? Um, then you'll get to the conclusion of that worldview, which is, well, if there's no purpose for humans, then why does abortion matter? Uh, why would it matter whether we lie, cheat, and steal? Um, because we, why should it matter that we respect the bodily integrity of, um, of anyone else? Why should it matter that uh, we respect the biology of men versus women? Because if the fundamental starting place is that there's no rhyme or reason, there's no design or purpose, everything is by chance, then it's just up to a majority force to say, well, 
these are the types of morals that we all kind of agree on because we all want to, we have this concept of, of better, but or the best view of how society should function. But then there's no actual reason other than force. And so this is why you'll hear a lot of people say, well, you know, without the Christian worldview, what made um, Hitler's Nazi Germany so wrong? And you can't answer that question without a biblical, truthful worldview. Because if you start with the premise, well, we're all here by chance and nothing really matters, there's no purpose, it's all just collectively what we think. Well, in Hitler's Nazi Germany, um, that was the law of the land at that time. Everything he did was according to the German government. And if that was legalized in that society, then who are we to go back and say, well, that's wrong? And, and obviously we have this visceral reaction to that because we know based on the truth of being made in God's image, having a moral code within us and within our humanity, we know that that was wrong. But the only way we can truthfully explain it and give a rational reason for why it was wrong is if we start with truth. And if we start with, yes, there is a God, and yes, there is a divine lawgiver outside of the human collective, then we can start to adequately, rationally, and sufficiently answer those questions. But the sticking point for a lot of people is that once we recognize the truth, which is that there is a God, and the God of the Bible is the truth— then that has implications on our daily lives. Then, well, wait a minute. Now I can't just do whatever I want to. Now I actually have to understand my purpose and I have to understand the implications of that worldview. And that's the sticking point because most of the people that I've talked to, um, even you know some good friends of mine who accept at least, okay, this is what the Christian worldview teaches. And, you know, yes, I get that morality has to be objective. And, you know, they agree, they agree, they agree until the point comes that they have to recognize Jesus as Lord. And they have to recognize that we aren't the God of our own universe. I can't just say, well, here's my truth and here's what I think. And I'm the arbiter of my own reality. Then it means we have to give up that control and recognize that there is a God and that there is a required standard of our lives. And that requires a lot of self-sacrifice. That requires um, seeding our own egos. That requires a full look at everything that we do. Um, Christianity is not just going to church on Sundays. It's not just, you know, wearing the WWJD uh, bracelet. It's not just, you know, saying, well, there's my faith in that corner. And when I go into church and maybe when I, um, you know, go volunteer at um, the children's ministry or something, um, but then I can live the rest of my life any way that I want to. Well, no, that's not being a consistent Christian. That's not being consistent in a biblical worldview, that's then being an inconsistent Christian. And that's saying, well, I'm going to take my faith just on Sunday, but not recognizing how the Christian worldview is the foundation of literally everything and how it has to then influence how we understand and how we make decisions on a daily basis in our families, in our societies, and in politics and the role of government and everything. And so I give that explanation because 
there is currently in our society this kind of cognitive dissonance of saying, okay, well, we want this kind of separation of church and state. Well, why? Because if we accept the truth of reality and we accept the truth of the God of the Bible, then that necessarily forces government into an actually legitimate role and a legitimate function and not just anything that government or even we the people want government to do. And so when we're looking at politics and when we're looking at all of these different issues, and even when we're looking at the Constitution, if we don't start with the correct premise, then we can't have a correct view of government and politics and everything else we're discussing. So we have to go back and um, dismantle that myth that there's some kind of separation of church and state. And that's not even, you know, what the, what Thomas Jefferson meant at all. He just meant that there are different authority structures between um, the church and also the government. Obviously, um, no one in the church as a, as a pastor controls the government. The government cannot uh, dictate to the church what it can teach, all of that kind of stuff. So there, there are separations of authority there, but that doesn't mean that they don't influence each other and have legitimate roles. Um, so when we think about this idea of analyzing politics, analyzing the world around us, we have to start with a proper and truthful framework. And we have to ask the question, what is my worldview? Um, have you ever asked yourself that question? How do I think about these things? Is it just on an individual kind of popcorn topic basis? Or how do I measure whether or not um, I'm for a certain policy preference or I'm against it? Is it um, is it based on party? Is your worldview of politics based on your party affiliation? Um, that's very overly simplistic. Um, ask yourself the question, what is my worldview? And you have one, but maybe you haven't thought about, oh, this is where I'm getting my understanding of morality and ethics and philosophy and the purpose of government, the role of government, the design, um, the policy, the should of, uh, of how our American system of government works. So ask yourself that question, and then um, we're going to be right back to talk a little more about this. And then um, I want to go into a really excellent interview that I had with a good friend of mine um, that I really, really want you to hear it. So we'll be right back on Just the Truth Podcast. That's not just the sound of that first sip of Morning Joe. It's the sound of someone shopping for a car on Carvana from the comfort of home. That's a good blend. It's time to take it easy, like answering some easy questions to get pre-qualified for a car in minutes. Talk about starting the morning right. Just like customizing your terms so your car fits your budget. Mm -mm -mm. Visit Carvana.com or download the app to experience car shopping the way it should be. Convenient. Comfortable. Ah. So we've been talking about this idea of the Christian worldview because I had a, a question from a, uh, a Twitter user that asked, you know, what is the biblical worldview? And um, as I've been talking about, it's so important to ask ourselves the question, what is my worldview? And decide, is that consistent? Does that explain the central questions of who we are as human beings, why we're here, where we're going, um, what influences our understanding and how we analyze the world around us. Um, what is our worldview? And I would highly recommend uh, Nancy Piercy's book, Finding Truth. Um, Nancy was on uh, the podcast 
last week, I believe it was, um, talking about um, her, her other book, Love Thy Body, um, which is excellent, really excellent book. Um, and I want to have her back sometime to go through in more detail Finding Truth, um, because this book gives you a framework to understand and analyze, okay, what do I really believe? Um, what are my presumptions? Um, what are my specific assumptions about the world? We all have a worldview. We all have a reason for our beliefs. And you may not have ever thought about specifically pinpointing, well, what is my worldview? How do I make decisions on ethics and, and morals? Where did that come from? Is it just, well, you know, that's the way that my mom taught me and, you know, it works for me. Well, um, what was the reason that uh, that you were taught that way? Is that a good thing? Is that consistent with the world around us? Is that rational? What's the logical conclusion of what you believe? Um, are you inconsistent in different uh, ways that you analyze things? Um, are you, for example, inconsistent on on politics? That you know, if uh, if President Trump said X thing, you'd be all for it. But if Joe Biden said the exact same thing, you would think it's the worst thing and unconstitutional. Well, that's inconsistent, right? And, um, you know, Campus Reform does a lot of really great videos that show the inconsistency of college students' worldviews. Uh, because that's what it comes down to. It's not just about partisan politics, but about saying if you have a perception that only one party is great in everything they do based on just affiliation with that party, then you're logically inconsistent. So the purpose of this is to, to not only just explain that the biblical worldview is based on the infallible word of God, and when you believe the Bible is entirely true, you allow it to be the foundation of everything you understand about the reality to which we're all presented. That's the biblical worldview. But to also uh, challenge you, to think about what is your worldview? How do you understand this? And um, and I'll give you a real quick story of um, when, because of, co- of course, when I was uh, growing up, I was raised in a Christian family. Um, I was homeschooled uh, kindergarten through 12th grade and uh, through high school. It was an amazing experience. Um, and by the way, definitely tune in to uh, Just the Truth TV tonight on America's uh, voice news because I'm going to be talking with my good friend Michael Donnelly, who's the senior counsel at, at the Homeschool Legal Defense Association, and we're going to talk about um, school choice and why homeschooling is a valid uh, school choice effort and why that's within parental rights um, and why parents understanding the truth of of rights that are given by God. Uh, parental rights are one of those inalienable rights that our founders recognized, that parents have the right to direct the education of their children. So um, so we're going to be talking about that a lot more. Um, but I would, I would challenge you to think about your worldview and to ask yourself that question of where is my worldview coming from? How do I understand um, the world to which I'm presented? And are there any sort of logical inconsistencies? And so, um, so as I was as I was saying, my um, my upbringing was K through 12, homeschooled. Um, but then going to and then I, I got a degree in technical journalism from Colorado State. Um, knowing I was going to law school. And then I went to law school at the University of Richmond um, School of Law in Virginia. Great, great school. Um, 
And that was where I experienced this tension point between what I understood and recognized as truth of reality versus the way that law is taught. And that resulted in kind of a crisis of faith for me of just being able to reconcile the idea of, okay, if we have a divine lawgiver and we understand the biblical worldview is the infallible word of God and everything then that we recognize that we do in law, for example, we have to have legitimate laws. We have to have an understanding of the law that is correct, not like Hitler's Nazi Germany. So the only legitimate role and function of the law in society is to make sure that we are um, we are criminalizing things that are genuinely, ethically, morally wrong according to truth, not just according to preference. And we are legitimately enforcing the law. So there's, there is recognizing truth. There is an inherent limit and a limitation on the capacity of any lawmaker, whether that's a legislature or a king or, you know, whatever civil society's uh, government system is, there's an inherent limit to the power of lawmaking. So, for example, we see that in the physical world. It's just an empirical truth that even if Congress wanted to repeal the law of gravity, well, obviously they can't. We don't have that authority because we are confined to the truth of the reality to which we're presented. And we know that as human beings, we may collectively not like the law of gravity, but we have no power to repeal that. We can work within that. We can um, overcome some of that um, of that law. I mean, we fly airplanes, we do you know all kinds of things, but we have to navigate how we work within that system according to the laws of physics. We can't change those. Humans have no capacity to do that. That is also true in the realm of moral law. We can't change the truth of moral law any more than we can change physical laws. And that is self-evident based on the reality to which we're presented. If we look at fundamental truth, we know that there is an inherent limitation in the power of lawmaking. So I was confronted with this type of um, arbitrary way that uh, that the law is shaped and designed and taught in law schools, um, and it was it was frightening, frankly, that we teach uh, future lawyers to say, "Well, the law is whatever the legislature sets, and then however the Supreme Court interprets the Constitution." Um, they can do that. So when we're looking at issues of morality, I'll just take the most obvious one. Um, you know, pre-1973, we didn't have Roe versus Wade, and then Roe versus Wade came out, and then all of a sudden, you know, abortion is is legalized, and that becomes uh, the court's interpretation of the law of the land. Um, again, it's not that the, the court created law. They can't do that, but that that's their interpretation. But did anything actually change scientifically or morally speaking about the truth that we recognize in science that life, human life begins at conception and all the way till natural death, a person is a person is a person. It's a human being. Well, no, nothing changed scientifically. But what changed was that or what the perception of what changed was how we react to that. But in this in the exact same way, we have no ability to change the moral truth 
of life beginning, beginning at conception any more than we can change the truth of the law of gravity. So we don't have, the, in, in fact and in truth, we don't have the arbitrary nature of the law that law school purports that we have. So I wanted to reconcile that within, okay, what is truth? Is that correct that we can just be that arbitrary or is what I have understood to be the biblical worldview true? So I went through kind of my own fact-finding process. Um, After I graduated law school, um, I was a prosecutor, then I was a defense attorney, practiced primarily um, in criminal law, you know, had some constitutional law cases as well. Um, and, you know, was primarily a litigator. And but throughout um, my you know initial five years of practice, I had this um, this concept that I was really wrestling with and struggling with of saying, well, how do I reconcile how we act in the law today and how we teach the law? How do I reconcile that with truth? And so I went on this fact-finding process, and that resulted in um, my book, The Legal Basis for a Moral Constitution, which describes how we have gotten so far off track in our understanding and articulation of how the law functions in a legitimate society and how different that is and how wrong that is and how inconsistent that is with the truth of the reality to which we're presented. So as you are wrestling with this um, type of, of concept, and maybe you know, you're know you hearing about worldview for the first time on this show, um, I would encourage you and say, you know, even though I grew up as a Christian, there were still things that I had to process through. But take the time to do that, because it is so important, not just for Um, your eternal salvation. And of course, that's the most important, but also to understand how you process through all of these different items that come up every day. And it's not just in politics. I mean, we, we tend to talk about politics the most in Washington, but how you discipline your children, how you interact with your spouse, what your understanding of the meaning of marriage is. I mean, all of these questions of family, um, how you understand the church to interact with society, what you, how you interact on a daily basis at your job. Um, so these are things that I talked about with um, Aubrey Shines, who's a very good friend of mine. Um, if you're familiar with the Standing for Freedom Center at Liberty University, he and I have done a few panels um, on religious liberty specifically, but um, you know a few other really great things. And the thing that I love about Aubrey is Um, his understanding of why worldview matters and how we as Christians um, and we as people in general, we influence our culture, whether we're Christians or not, um, people influence culture. And so we have to influence truthfully. We have to use that influence. And especially if we're Christians, we have to influence culture in a truthful manner. And so I talked with him last night on Uh, Just the Truth TV. And I want you to hear this interview because um, how he describes it is just really great in terms of influence. And I would really encourage you and please, you know, let me know um, what your questions are and how you're analyzing worldview in your own mind uh, to come to a truthful conclusion. And I guarantee you, if you will take the time and genuinely openly seek truth, not just outcome oriented, right? That you want to have a specific outcome. But if you are seeking the truthful worldview, the truth to the answers of life's most important questions, then you will see truthfully that the biblical worldview 
is not only the best explanation and provides the best answers for those questions, but is the only consistent worldview and consistent logically, rationally, and reasonably. And we have to have a rational faith, not just a um, a shallow faith, not just to say that we're Christians um, and go and live our lives however we want. We have to have a consistent worldview. And then with that foundation, build up from there and understand how we view reality and the implications of what that means for the influence in our government system, in politics, in our family, in everything else. So we'll be right back with more of Just the Truth podcast. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app today to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I want to get right to my guest, my good friend Aubrey Shines, host of the wonderful new show, America Shines. So, Aubrey, thank you so much for bringing me Jenna, being fantastic here. being with you. Yes. Looking forward to this moment. Absolutely. And so you've launched this wonderful show called America Shines, which is so your personality, too, because <laughs> it's, it's sunshine. And, um, and it's really an effort, I think, at really talking about America and what brings us together. And, of course, you are a Christian as well, and we, uh, we definitely want to acknowledge that because I want to talk with you tonight mm-hmm. about uh, the role of government in society, the role of the church in society, and how those two uh, different institutions that God ordained have a role in the Christian life. Oh, love it. I'm looking forward to this because I don't personally know how to separate those two. When I often hear individuals, they make a real bad, bad mistake of assuming that there's some sort of separation here between church and state. I just come to that realization they really don't understand the history of this country. If they did, they would never see it. And the influence of the Judeo-Christian ethos, it's overwhelming. And you know this better than I, being a student of jurisprudence, I'm not, I have a different background, but one would only have to read the various charters, constitutions of various states, and the influence of the church is undeniable. Anyone that comes to any other finding, they're 100% wrong. Absolutely. And and I think it's so important to recognize not just the history of our founding and how we have gotten to uh, the place in America where we have the society that has been built on the best opportunity for prosperity, for freedom, for liberty. We talk about that so often on this show and why the worldview foundation matters. And when we talk about uh, the I think the response now by a lot of Christians and these headlines that say evangelicals shouldn't have supported Trump or we have, uh, you know, some of the Catholic organizations that have modified their position on certain issues. I mean, even pro-life organizations were coming out and, you know, kind of hesitating by uh, revoking some of their association with President Trump after the election. And so I want to get your take on 
uh, what is the response now of where the church should be in terms of responding to the culture and responding to where our support has been up to the election? Well, so I always look at it from, again, from a Judeo-Christian ethos here. When I hear of organizations saying, we shouldn't do that anymore, I think, it, not just my opinion, by the way, I have data to back this up. A lot of individuals are actually just responding because of the cancel culture. They know that if they, quote, go way out there and just simply state whatever their real conviction is, unfortunately, some will lose their jobs, some have lost their jobs. Others will not find themselves kind of going up the ladder in various corporations. I happen to know individuals that are executives in the run of their corporation, and even though they don't spearhead it, you know, they're part of a larger nucleus that's there. These individuals can't express their faith. They're almost forced to celebrate things that violate the very principles that they say they believe in. So when I hear Jenna individuals talk about, well, we're going to back away from Trump. On what? I, okay. if, if they're talking about his personality, okay, that's fair, but believers don't hire or fire someone based on their personality. We're supposed to be principle driven. What are the principles that are involved? Does a president, he or she, do they represent the views that one has as it relates to history? A biblical, again, ethos that's there? Well, Trump personified that. Now, one can say all day long, well, I don't like the way he talks. Well, I think that's silly personally, because I think all of us, if we were put under a microscope, we would find out we don't like a lot of things that we have even said at some point in time. But here are the bigger principles. Here's a president, the first one, by the way, that championed pro-life issues. He was part of the March pro-life. No other president had ever done that before. So here's a president that says, I believe that life believe, uh, begins rather at, a, in, at its inception. How does one group or a group or several begin to divorce themselves from that? I'm not sure how to do that. Again, if we're talking about providing for our own nation, again, a very biblical concept. It was actually St. Paul that said, anyone that doesn't provide for their own family, they're actually acting as if though they were an infidel. Well, what did Trump do? He says, I'm providing for this nation. I'm going to make sure that the nation is well provided for. I'm going to make sure our jobs, I'm going to make sure that we're not being ripped off by enemies. I'm going to squash those that don't support us, but yet we support them. Those are all biblical principles that he enacted. Now, I get pushback at times. Well, he wasn't this strong Christian doing A or B or C, but Jenna, the reality of it is there are a lot of men and women that if you follow the Torah, if you follow the New Testament, they probably had some areas they probably needed polishing, oh, but sure. we don't hire for those areas. We go for people with principles. That is a really, really good point. And I want to follow up on that conversation um, in our next segment when we come back and talk about the truth of the separation of church and state and the principles behind genuine leadership. So we're going to be right back more with Bishop Aubrey Shines, host of America Shines, right here on Real America's Voice News, when we come back with more of Just the Truth. Man, that sunset is gorgeous. Grill, patio, sunset, hard to get better than that. Unless you're browsing Carvana's inventory while you soak it all in. 
Oh, burger time. So sit back, get comfortable. Carvana's got thousands of cars under $20,000 just waiting for you. I could stay here forever. Carvana, where car buying meets comfort meets convenience. Download the app or visit Carvana.com today. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and I'm continuing the conversation with Aubrey Shines, who's the host of the wonderful new program, America Shines, here on Real America's Voice. It's Saturday at 1 p.m., and then you can also catch uh, the reruns anytime that you want on the free app or go to americasvoice.news. So, Aubrey, thanks again for being here. And right before the break, uh, you made this really interesting point talking about how uh, the culture today sort of expects different things from the administration. And we have to go back from a presidential administration, Mm -hmm. from our government, and we have to go back in history and also to the text of our founding documents to actually look at the role and responsibility of uh, the government and what our founders recognized truthfully is the proper role in the context of the institutions that God has ordained and created, of course, civil government being one. And so talking about those different spheres of government, so we know from the Bible that uh, God ordained three spheres of government, the church government, the family government, and the civil government. So there is a separation of, of powers and authority and spheres there, which is where Thomas Jefferson got into this whole concept of separation of church and state, but not that the church had to be completely uninvolved in government. So as we're looking into this culture that has given up so much of the church, truth of Christianity, the truth of the church, the truth of moral principles. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is the role then as you see to educate, um, especially Gen Zers, I think, and college students of the truth between the roles and, and this so-called separation of church so, and state? So as you know better than I, there is no separation. The whole idea, those that believe, again, in the Judeo-Christian ethos, it was Christ himself that said, and I'm very, very clear here. He says, don't just occupy until I come. I also want you to become what I am as if though I was physically there because I'm going to substitute me for you. In other words, I'm going to make you the light. I'm going to make you become the preserver of the earth. He calls it in the Hebraic language, salt. So the idea is that believers, we're supposed to take our position, and our position should be that of influence. Well, you can't do that just praying, Jenna. You you can't do that by saying, well, I, I just think we should all get along. Well, I don't think any body of government other than the United States of America with its Christian influence has actually lived that out. There's no other nation that has lived that out. Christians understand that quite well. We're the ones that say, look, you can be whatever you want to be. However, we should never divorce ourselves from what we're called to do, and that's influence. Now, often individuals read that, and they forget it was actually Moses, father-in-law Jethro, that actually said, very, very clearly said, Moses, if you're going to have a successful government, here's what I need you to do. I need you to find individuals that have your exact same faith and belief as relates to the covenants that God would want you to have, live that out in the earth. It never said become one that usurps your authority over, but be the one that influences your authority in every single thing. It's called dominion. And it was an idea that God created not to have some 
theological precedent set in the earth and, and we have this theocracy. No, we're not a king society, queen society. He just simply said to individuals, if you're really going to do this my way, do it by influencing not just areas in your church, areas of economics. By the way, those that read the scriptures would know Christ dealt with economics quite a bit. Oh, yes, uh, there's a what, Christian worldview on all of these philosophies. Everything. It's not just in the church. No, and not just that. Science, the yes. scripture is filled with ideas of making sure the earth is properly preserved. Cleanliness, these are attributes and principles that Christians should be living out in every area. So how should we see ourselves? as individuals that live out our faith. And I'm not talking about going on a job, proselytizing and not doing your job. No, do your job. If you're there to sweep, be the best sweeper that it is. If you're there to teach, be the greatest teacher that it is. But at the same time, be the individual that you don't divorce your faith from your politics. I like the way both Christ and Abraham Lincoln put it. He says a house that's divided, it can't stand. So we can't say, that we believe in this framework called Judeo-Christian ethos, but yet we vote for individuals that do not share our okay. same belief systems. That is a house divided against itself. Yes, and one of uh, my teachers put it to me this way that I thought was really well-spoken that said, instead of saying I am, for, so for example for me, I'm a lawyer who happens to be a Christian. I am a Christian who happens to be a lawyer. Yeah. And when you put the Christian as the, the center and the beginning and say that's where we genuinely find our identity because as human beings made in the image of God and we are image bearers, we know that our inherent dignity and worth comes from our relationship with Jesus Christ and being created in the image of the God of mm -hmm. the Bible. And so then when we take that understanding and that's the foundation, then that influences yes. and that's the perfect word. It has to influence every single aspect and it's not just politics it yeah. has to impact and influence our professions mm -hmm. it has to influence uh, how we act every day how we treat our neighbor how we do all of these things and what i find most interesting about the view of secular government today when we've divorced ourselves as a society from the judeo-christian worldview is that we are expecting the government to act like the church and we're expecting the government to replace all of these things and uh, that's why so many people say, well, this is a humanitarian effort of the government, or this is a, uh, this is a mm -hmm. service or welfare service, or those things of the government, which doesn't look comprehensively at the role and design of the government. And so as we, for we as Christians mm -hmm. who participate in all of these things, you rightly said, we need to support the candidates and influence government that is rightly centered on the Bible. So as we're moving forward into 2021, and of course looking at uh, the Democrat Party, which shares very, very few of these of these fundamental truths. I think you're truths. being kind, but okay. Um, but <laughs> basically none. Okay, and uh, and they and maybe a few different ones have a little bit of good faith, but very sure. few, of course. Um, when we look at the the landscape, how can Christians best influence? government and how can they best be Christians in everything that they do? By voting. Again, the primary position for the Christian, okay, we pray, we go to church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, those things we should do anyway. I, that's a given. But it can't stop there. 
You have to have information. There has to be knowledge. You have to know why you're doing what you're doing. Anything that you do that opposes the very principles and say, the things that you say that you believe in is counterintuitive. You, you can't support something at the same time and tear it down. I was once on a secular show in the UK, very well-known show, non-Judeo-Christian, I can assure you. When I came, and I can make this very, very quick, the question that was posed to me from the host, I loved her, as a matter of fact, a very friendly, warm, kind-hearted little Brit. And she said to me, she says, well, don't you think that your views are a bit antiquated? And I said, well, that's an interesting position. And again, this goes, though, to the heart of your question, because I simply responded to her with a secular uh, phenomenon, which was called STDs, that are, were running rampant in our area. I said, let's take one of my antiquated views that you think, ah, no one pays attention. I said, consider this. If individuals were to have relationships based on what you call antiquated, you would eliminate the trillions of dollars just in medicine that goes to treat individuals that live a sexual lifestyle that is outside of the framework of what you call antiquated. I said, we won't even talk, we won't even discuss the issues of heartbreak and emotional just deluge that comes with those type of unfortunate scenarios. And when I finish in a Brit accent, she says, I've never thought about that. Mm -hmm. Well, that is the role of, again, understanding our Constitution, how it really came from God, and living this thing out. So we should always have an answer to those that are asking questions, not just about religion, because it impacts every area of your life. A great business person is an ethical person. I'm not going to rip you off in selling you a product that I know is, is just it's a horrible product. Why? Because my views and my belief and my principles don't come from making a dollar. It comes from first having a conscious that I should treat you as a sister. I should treat you as a brother. Those are things that are undeniable. And once we live those things out, we do very well as a nation, as the history has proven. Not just in that genre, but whether it's slavery, how do we overcome it? We didn't overcome it because a group of politicians had an epiphany one day. They overcame because some great abolitionists said, you know what, this isn't God's design. And by the way, they were not all black and all white. They were white and black. And they said, we can't do this. We cannot live this out because it doesn't represent what we think is God idea driven. So they came together and they began to abolish principles that were secular by taking advantage of other people, weak people, and they said, together we're going to do this. And you can see this lived out through history when we live our faith in our politics. Yes, and not, as you described it, divorcing those two concepts. And it's so fascinating to look at the term antiquated and how progressives tend to use that in the conversation to try to say, well, you're just looking back to whether it's the 1950s or even, you know, the 2,000 years ago and that type of history. But yet, they're not willing to admit that the greatest advances and genuine progress and things that they would champion have not come because we just collectively all decided one day that, oh, critical race theory is actually really good. Or, yeah. you know, we, we had enough representation of a certain race or ethnicity or sex in Congress to then come collectively together. The best progress has been made when we have recognized the truth and said, oh, wait a minute, 
we need to be more perfected yes. in the image of God, and that's true progress. So we're going to continue this conversation with uh, my good friend Aubrey Shines on uh, the next segment. He's going to be with me all show tonight. He's the host of, um, of America Shines on Real America's Voice, and I hope that you tune in. It's every weekend, uh, Saturdays at 1 p.m. It's a wonderful show. I've obviously had um, a really good time talking with my friend Aubrey, and you just get to be part of this conversation tonight. So we're going to be right back with more of Just the Truth. <sighs> the comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car selling command center. Thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and I'm continuing the conversation with my good friend Aubrey Shines, who's host of the brand new show America Shines here on Real America's Voice at Saturday at 1 p.m. And then, of course, you can always download the app or catch us on americasvoice.news. So, Aubrey, uh, we were having this conversation where you were talking about going on uh, this other network, mm -hmm. and, um, and I find that the discussion piece with people who have never actually engaged with a rational-based Christian have this idea of a lot of us that, oh, well, this is their faith, and that's either it's ridiculous, it's like believing in the Easter Bunny, sure. you know, or it's something that, why would we talk about faith when we're talking about politics? That's not rationally related. And I've also heard so many people who have said when they're actually talking to someone like you or me who will give this presentation of why it's all put together, um, that they've never genuinely heard the gospel. Unfortunately, I, I wish you were not correct, but you are. <clears throat> I have gone on so many secular shows, I can't count. I tell you what I've come from, and that is this. I've come from a place that once I get in, and, and usually it's always stacked against me. If I go on, that host or hostess is going to have, and I literally mean this, three or four other individuals sitting at a table, and including the host or hostess, they're going to all attack me. And or if I've done major, major radio shows, major, major, major markets, they will actually, without even giving me a heads up, they open up their lines knowing that their base audience are all of the same ilk. Well, right. I kind of like it. The reason that I like it is because I believe that a well-informed individual, he or she, can really make a difference. I actually have the mitigated audacity to think that if truth some kind of way confronts that which is not truth, that truth is going to win out. I don't really have to have a, quote, fair shake at it. Put four against one or eight against one, whatever it is. It doesn't matter. But within that little time slot that usually they cut in half, and of you course. know how this goes. Yes, and they move <clears throat> the mics down and all of that. Of course, and they lower <laughs> yes. your volume and yes. all the little tricks of so their trade. So you just trade. have to speak louder. Well, that's all you do. <laughs> and, and you learn the proper time uh, to engage. Consider, for instance, what we're dealing with in this nation right now. We have an administration that is bent on ridding itself of God and I call just basic science, and that is whether or not males are actually males and or females are actually females. Now, my show is going to address all of those topics this week. I have the sound bites, 
what Joe Biden has said, what others have said, uh, Rachel Levine, whatever his name is. I'm addressing those type of topics for a reason, because even though the majority of the country is not on board with this, there are activist judges, you know this again better than I, that force that narrative, that we're giving our children and our grandchildren and our nieces and nephews, and I don't mean those that have necessarily come biologically from within us. I'm talking about as a nation. We're actually letting them believe something that, if left alone, science has proven by the age of 18, 19, they automatically have the position of the way that they were actually born. But yet, if you and I talk about this in a public forum, in a corporate forum, that is transphobic. You're it's a bigot. Speech. It's yeah. hate speech. You can get fired and lose your job. Well, if we don't stand for something in the words of Dr. Martin Luther King, then we will fall for anything. If we are not united in our beliefs, again, we're not getting on TV and saying, hey, open your Bible or your Torah and believe A or B. No, no. We're living this thing out showing what decency looks like. We're living this thing out called Americanism that is actually founded in Judeo-Christian belief systems. It's the recognition of truth. It is. Yes, it's not just about saying I'm waving my American flag. No. It's saying I'm so proud of that flag and what it represents because the, our founders acknowledged truth. And I loved what you said about uh, the, the, we don't have to have a fair shake. And mm -hmm. C.S. Lewis uh, said the truth is like a lion. If you uh, let it out, it just it, you don't even have to defend it. It'll defend itself. That's and what lions do. That's exactly. <laughs> and you know you think well, a lion can handle a lot more than just you know yeah. one on one. Yeah. So and but that's the thing of always coming back to the truth. And when we're talking about rightly dividing mm -hmm. uh, this, the understanding of what is truth and what is false, we have to have a measurable difference. And that's what we see across culture that we're losing today. We're losing this definition of objective truth. And Christians are even saying, okay, well, we're going to continue maybe speaking truth within mm -hmm. the four walls of the church. And some aren't even willing to do that because they're adopting, you know, white privilege or critical race theory yeah. or some of these other secular principles. Uh, but they're not willing to say we need to stand for truth in everything and in every culture. They're, they're too scared of the cancel culture. And so as we look at, um, and you rightly said, there is no separation of church mm -hmm. and state in the common understanding. And so as we look at the role of the church, um, I want to get to this word that you and I talked about earlier today um, of ecumenicism. Because yes. a lot of Christians, and that may be a new word to, to some of the viewers, but um, that is this whole idea that there is a common unity mm -hmm. and that we are going to promote the ideas of the church and of truth and not worry about some of the other things that divide us theologically. And a lot of people have, you know, very strict understandings yeah. of where we can be too ecumenical versus not. But I want to position that not in the theology, because within theology, of course, we have to continue to pursue truth. But within the broader scope of politics. Yeah. Where do you see the division of how it's, it's good to be more ecumenical? Oh, my God. Let's, again, let's just take the, uh, the uh, reference of Black Lives Matter. I wrote a book on this. I pointed out eight questions about race. My position, by the way, we hit number two on Amazon, stayed in the, tw the top 20 for some months. My biggest audience were those that were saying that were allegedly believers or are, they said, we didn't know this. 
Case in point, they didn't know that the founders of BLM were Marxist. Most unfortunate, un unfortunately in this nation, had no real, real idea what Marxism was. I go further. Most did not know that the founders themselves were actually spiritual people that believed in a religion called Yorubu. It's out of Africa. They believe in conjuring up dead spirits to empower them to do the work that they're doing because they believe that those spirits were chaotic. Now, I don't say that for religious reasons. It's just fact-based. When I began to share that information with leaders across the nation, they were shocked. Why? Because they had adopted with inside of their four walls church. They had adopted what they thought was a good social movement. But its origin has nothing to do with anything that Judeo-Christian has anything to do with. Its ideology, Marxism, has everything to do with death. My great, my grandfather, rather, on my mom's side, biological mother, he fought a war, gave his life, that you and I could sit here and not speak a foreign language. That, those are facts. So when we engage, when you ask the question, where's the church? How far do we go ecumenically? Well, the last time I checked historically, when a church keeps, unfortunately, itself within the parameters of a four wall, often something called persecution comes. And all of a sudden you see these same individuals that hide behind their walls thinking, hey, we're giving money to the poor, or we're doing some good things. That's not the idea of what America is even about, regardless of the fact of where and how far an individual goes. When you stay, unfortunately, within that circumference, something comes along and it will challenge you in the court system. All of a sudden, things that you thought that you believed in, hey, leave the world along and, and, and we'll be fine. It's God's will for all these bad things to happen. Then never buy an attorney, get an attorney, rent an attorney. I'm being funny, I hope. <laughs> never utilize the resource of those that can defend those actions. When you lose your job, don't look for a grievance. Don't look for a board to come and bring restoration to you. What is going on? We're seeing the church being forced now outside of its walls to begin to address these issues. And it starts in the polling area. You cannot believe in something and then vote for something entirely different. If you love someone, you won't damage them. But if you really love someone, you'll provide for them. You'll take care of them. You'll want to know that they're doing really, really well. The church is now faced with this conundrum because it has been, unfortunately, silent in America as it relates to these topics. We've allowed, unfortunately, secular individuals, whether they're Don Lemons, Joy Reeds, whoever they are, we've allowed for them to dictate to us what and how we should think. But the facts are they can't stand what people of faith really believe in. Yes. Their idea of, and I'm quoting one of them right now, especially Don Lemon, He's the one that talks about his morality. What morality? Based on what? Now, again, he's entitled but to that. But funny that he can say, here's my morality. No one challenges him on the fundamental of the worldview, whether yes. he's a hypocrite. But so many people, especially on social media, they love to do this, will say, my favorite hashtag is fake Christian, because yeah. they love to say, well, the God I don't believe in requires this of you, <laughs> and you're not living up to the expectations that I have set for the God that I don't believe so, in. So, in other and words, it's so funny. I'm not going to serve the God that 
I'm talking about, right. but I think but as the ones that you, to you that serve it, then you should do it my kind of way. And again, right. we're not saying that people don't have a right in America to be whatever they want to be. Be what you want to be. Now, there are consequences for it, et cetera, et cetera. I've often, when I wrote this book dealing with homosexuality, had a lot of hate mail. But I, sure. I, well, I did. But here was the beauty of it. I said, I love this community enough to be honest. Well, what do you mean? You, you're against it? No. If I'm pointing out to you that in the community in which you live, let's just say a person is homosexual. That's his or her choice. They're the number one causes of suicide in that particular group. Certain type of cancers as relates to the intestine. I'm simply saying I love you enough so to point that out. So you're just the natural consequences of that choice. And we're not even touching on whether or not uh, that is codified into law or any of those exactly. other consequences. Exactly. So we're going to be right back with more with my good friend Aubrey Shines, host of the new show America Shines right here on Real America's Voice. Stay with us. We'll be right back on Just the Truth. Welcome to Fail Better, David Duchovny's new podcast with Lemonada Media. On Fail Better, David, who has experienced both low and high-profile failures throughout his life, explores the vast world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives. Each week, he'll chat with guests like Ben Stiller, Bette Midler, and more about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, he hopes listeners can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out now wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Just the Truth and continuing my conversation with Aubrey Shines, host of the brand new show, America Shines, here on Real America's Voice. So um, I, I hate the breaks because we're always right in the middle of such yeah, a great conversation. Sure, sure. And then I wish we could bring in uh, everyone to, you know, the conversation we have during the break. Sure. Uh, because you were saying that there, you know, there's, of course, this natural tension between uh, what the law needs to proscribe or prohibit mm -hmm. in society versus just talking about the natural consequences of the reality of the universe to which God has presented us. And I think that's a really interesting distinction when you're talking about approaching the conversation with people who are so focused on politics and so focused on saying, well, the law has to allow us to do X, Y, Z thing, rather than even getting to that point, you're talking about saying, well, here's just the natural consequence. Yeah, yeah. and again, I go back to the, uh, I've been rated, unfortunately, by certain groups, oh, he's hateful, yeah. he hates homosexuals. No, I don't. I actually love everyone. And I just simply say, look, if there's a specific group, I don't care, male, female, tall, short, it's irrelevant. If that group continues to have certain modalities, they're sick in some area, that's a crisis for the nation, as an American citizen, as someone that loves God, why wouldn't I be concerned about that? And again, even to have the conversation, one of the ways that they stop it, just shut up because you don't agree with me or you don't agree with my lifestyle. I'm just simply saying, can we not have a conversation, a dialogue to simply say, have you ever considered, for, forget about if you don't want to believe in the Bible, I, that's between you and you. Even if you don't believe in God, that's still believe. That's a mm -hmm. personal moment. I'm simply asking the question: If your lifestyle, whatever it is, if it's leading to diabetes, if it's leading to unwarranted sicknesses, if that is not at least allowed to be a question, 
then we've lost our Constitution that we can have free speech on yes. these matters. Why shut me down? Because I'm pulling up the facts saying, hey, this is not about you changing what you like or don't like. I won't even go there right now. But I can tell you this, your lifestyle, again, whether you're tall, short, whatever it is, it keeps leading you to premature deaths. It keeps putting you in a situation that as you get older, if you're a male, these are facts, by the way, this is not my opinion. I have a lot of medical doctors who are friends. We talk about issues like this. I know the data. Men have to wear uh, undergarments as they get older because of a lifestyle, sexually, that unfortunately has so deteriorated certain parts of their body, they can't wait in order to relieve themselves. Why can't we have conversations? Why can't we discuss issues if we really care and love people? Because the truth of affirmation is affirming the truth instead of simply affirming feeling or affirming, hey, you know, if I'm the best friend to you, Aubrey, I will just support whatever your decision is. That's the line that especially the Gen Zers always say is, well, if that's my friend and I truly love them, then I will just support whatever their decision is. But the, but the Bible teaches us a different way and the truth of reality teaches a different way that if we genuinely love people, we will speak the truth to them in love. And that isn't just a from a religious perspective. It's not putting it in their face of, I'm a Christian, therefore. It's just simply saying, this is the truth and this is reality. And I think even Christians have become very uncomfortable with speaking truth and with acknowledging that we don't have this kind of relativistic thinking. And you said something else earlier that I want to be like Jen Psaki and circle back on, and uh, (laughs) where the rights that we have in this country, why religious liberty freedom of speech and freedom of association are protected as our first freedoms so we can do exactly what we're doing right now which is speaking together about truth and so this concept of religious liberty has only been within the four walls of the Mm -hmm. church but we have to as you said earlier influence the world around us and so we have to have the protection of religious liberty along with those others and so as you look forward in your encouragement to the next generation who is being told, oh, I have to affirm all of my friends and their choices. Uh, What's your encouragement to them to have the boldness to speak truth? I think they they should all, Jenna, really just begin to examine whatever the facts are. Case in point, we can talk about universities, but you and I know, because I'm sure we've studied this, that the idea of universities came out of Christianity. Most don't know that Harvard and the major Ivy League schools, if you go back and look at their original charter, It was about pushing forth missionaries to do work as released education. Think about our great hospitals. Everyone wants to come to the United States of America because we have great hospitals. Where did that idea come from? Hospitals came out of the idea of Christianity, those missionaries that served individuals that were sick. That didn't come from any other religious group. So when we're talking to that young generation and we ask them questions such as, what do you think about the best hospitals in the world. Again, we don't even have to bring a biblical narrative at that point, but Mm -hmm. in that dialogue, what we'll be able to share is, well, here's the history. So if you really believe that all points are all the same, you do realize that other competing ideologies don't accept your position. So if I'm then supportive of, for instance, of a religious ideology, and it may be a very large religious ideology, 
Like if I find out that that ideology as a woman doesn't allow me to have the freedom of school, of choice, of marriage. I'm not talking about choice of one's body. I'm talking about choice to be educated, a choice to go and travel without a man being there. What our founders would have termed as pursuing happiness, pursuing right? Making, happiness. making the individual choices that are best for yourself and your family. Go back to that young generation. Most don't know that these ideas of freedom and liberty, they actually come from the very thing that the media, and I call them a secular church, by the way, because that's, that's what they true. are. And their preachers and apostles and prophets and evangelists and teachers are the politicians, are the news anchor people. These are individuals that are constantly proselytizing mm -hmm. their own congregations called secular humanist. Well, I don't subscribe to it. Why? I cannot find you know, anywhere in history, and I've studied it. I've studied patristic uh, periods of time, first five centuries. I can't find anywhere in history that a secular government has ever lasted, including the great Rome itself. When I have gone to Italy, and I've seen the great monuments of, of, of the Caesars of that day and the Julius Caesars of, of particular times. When I read the rabbinic uh, writings in those areas, they all had one thing in common. When they began to abandon the idea of God, eventually their entire citizenship collapsed. Yeah. It dissolved. There's no more there. They're ruins. And now we pay as Americans to go see the ruins. Well. Mm. Are there societies? Yeah. Are there societies that have a secular background that still are doing well? And the answer is unequivocally no. There's one. It's called the United States of America. Now, we can parlay and say, well, that's true also for Israel. And again, I have personal reasons for saying that having a Jewish mom. But with that being said, I can tell you this there are no other republics that exist. There's no other society that people are, would rather be caught illegally to come here. No Americans are breaking down doors and walls of other places and sneaking into countries. But there's a reason why we're here. And there's a reason why everyone wants to come to America. Because we have been founded on a principle that has eternal value and it actually works. True. Yes. I love it. I love it. Yes. We'll be right back for more with my good friend, Aubrey Shines, host of America Shines, right here on Real America's Voice. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to Just the Truth, and I want to give you a preview of the great new show, America Shines, which is premiering here on Real America's Voice, so check it out. We're looking at leaders that are no longer speaking out on issues. The Democratic Party's objective is to is parent, parent view.
And so, Aubrey, that is such a great show. And I've, I've watched a couple of episodes. I've actually been on with you, which yes. has been great. Um, but yes. I saw the last thing um, coming back to our, our first part of the show, which was uh, the endorsement by Donald J. Trump. And that's so great. And, and as we've talked throughout this conversation, I think the theme has really been principles mm -hmm. grounded on truth and recognizing that we should have an influence in every sphere that we can. We can't separate church and state. And so um, moving forward, and you know, you and I are both great supporters of President Trump um, because he is principled in those issues. He, under he understands the Constitution. Mm -hmm. I've had so many conversations with him about his love of the Constitution, our mutual love of that. And um, so as we move forward into 2021, and um, I know this will be the first of our many conversations together, um, how can we be more principled and grounded in truth together instead of just on all of these different meaningless issues? I think we're going to have to surround ourselves, again, another biblical principle, with individuals that represent views the way that they were actually intended to really be manifested. I don't think that we can separate knowledge like that. I, I find it actually impossible. If I want to know something about a specific issue, I would go to those individuals that know the issue. I like to champion myself in, in my own little finite mind thinking I'm a pretty good golfer. Until I play with guys that are much better. Now, one thing I won't do, I will never divorce those guys. I try to maintain relationship, contact, why? I need to learn how to be better. Well, it's the same idea that we're talking about regarding principles. We must get to a point that we're avid readers, that we know facts. Again, I'm not talking about one at a certain age matriculating, going back into someone's college and or university. Don't have to do it. Read the proper books. Read various books. Read both sides of an argument. Yes. Once that begins to be a part of your diet, what that's going to do in part is going to open your mind, your thinking, your process. You're going to begin to realize that if I start from the principal point that I believe in this idea called Judeo-Christian ethos, if you start there, it's going to be very difficult, in my opinion, as you mature in that, to ever, quote, vote outside of that. You'll never, ever hold a principle that contradicts what you say you believe in. Right. I didn't always agree with my parents, but I did live in their house. And as a result, I had to kind of abide by the rules. I found out something quite early in life that if I understood them better, my life was a lot easier. <laughs> when I didn't, uh, just, let's just say it wasn't a good day for me that particular day. And I think as citizens of this great country, we're going to have to do the same thing. Yeah, that is wonderfully said, and um, it reminds me of one of my favorite quotations from uh, Mark Hall, who's the um, lead uh, singer for Casting Crowns, mm -hmm. which is one of my, my favorites, and I listen to K-Love all the time. I love it. Um, he said, you know, you will say what you think, but you live what you believe. And if we have genuine principles, and if we as conservatives and as Christians are truly saying that we are principled people, then we will act on that, including voting, including calling out um, even our own among the church, among politicians, among party. Uh, we will continue to speak truth, and we will in love, and we will also as we pursue truth, we'll continue to seek it ourselves. Because yeah. there is, I think, a lot of that arrogance, right, in, um, in a lot of the conservative movement to say, well, I've got the corner on truth. I have, you know, and that's why I'm loving all of these conversations sure. with my guests every night um, to learn from you all to say, we need to be able to seek truth together. And that's what um, Jesus actually calls us to, is to continue uh, to be refined and to continue to seek. 
You know, one of my favorite movies is um, A Man for All Seasons. I love the role of Thomas More, real-life character, things that really happen. And I can't quote him any longer as I used to just some years ago, but I got the principle pretty down. He says, when a statesman uh, begins to not live out his or her creed and they forsake what they really believe for the sake of a state, that is a road that will eventually lead to chaos. I think that principle is true even today. If an individual say they believe in something, but what they vote and do contradicts it, it's a road to chaos. I think Thomas More was right in understanding that idea. And I think this is where we have missed it in this nation. I'm talking about individuals that say, hey, I'm a faith individual. I, I have faith in God. I, I believe in the principles of God. We've, we've allowed others to create this vacuum in our lives, and then they get an opportunity to put in it whatever they desire. I believe we have something called, something my, my dad taught while he was living, and that is responsibility. If you're gonna do something, he would say do it with all of your heart. If you're gonna eat, eat all that you can at that moment. And it's the same principle. This is why I am so excited for your show, Just the Truth. That was my interview with Bishop Aubrey Shines, and he's just, like I said, one of the most um, amazing people, and, and I am so thankful for his friendship, and I'm going to have him on the show more. Uh, definitely tune in tonight to uh, Just the Truth TV, 6 p.m. Eastern, but you can also always view prior episodes on our free app. Uh, you can go online at americasvoice.news, uh, go to shows, and then scroll down to Just the Truth, and you know, it's a Friday, so uh, really excited. Tonight, I'm going to have Mike Donnelly, who is the senior counsel to the Homeschool Legal Defense Association. We're going to be talking all about parental rights, why school choice is so important. And I will be back with you on Monday for more of Just the Truth podcast. Please follow me on social media at Jenna Ellis ESQ. And always you can write in uh, with questions at just the truth at americasvoice.news or post your questions on social media. I go and look through those and um, I'm so grateful for the people who asked today, what is a biblical worldview and that we could have that discussion. So have a great weekend, everyone. I'll see you Monday. 